0: Put the fucking mic
1: on. How we doing, folks? It's your boy, DP, Barstool Sports, starting nine, and you are listening to the End of the Bench. Scoot your ass down. Welcome to episode 125 of End of the Bench. On this episode, we have Barstool Sports' Jared Carabas. An awesome interview. A long, long interview, as you can see. It's a long episode. Not having uh, too many topics after the interview like I usually do. I'm only going to talk about the national championship, uh, the Lindor Carrasco trade, and Tommy Lasorda passing away. Those are the only topics we'll have after the interview, but this interview was a banger. We talked all about Barstool, how he got there, the process of working with Dallas Braden, his co-host for Starting Nine. I mean... He talked about the relationship with him. It's pretty interesting how he described his relationship with Dallas Braden and what it takes to put together starting nine. He also has Section 10 podcast, which is all about Red Sox. He talked about all of his projects at Barstool, but we also talked about baseball happening now. The Lindor trade we, t- we talked about in the interview, and then I'll talk a little bit more about it after the interview. We also talk about um, the Tatis extension rumors, his Red Sox. And what I really enjoy was talking about his early career and how a lot of places didn't give him a shot. And now they're all looking back on it pissed off. We talk about all that and more in this long interview with Jared Carabas, AKA The Rocket. So I'm going to quit talking. Let's get on with the interview. And then we'll talk about some topics after the interview is done. So. Let's get started with my interview with Barstool Sports, The Rocket, Chair Corral. Today, we got a huge, huge guest. We have the host of Starting Nine. We got the host of Section 10. We have... The best baseball journalist in the biz it is Barcel Sports, the Rocket Jared Carabas. Jared, how we doing? What's going on? This is a long time coming. Long, long time coming. I've been a fan of yours for a while. Been reading your blogs, read everything. I watch starting nine clips. I watch, I listen to pod. Call it on CCK from here and from from time to time.
2: One of the best so, callers
1: that we get, by the way. I appreciate that. I do appreciate that. I have some downtime from that from that point on and for the, during the show. So I can tr- try to sneak in the call if I can. <laughs> so we'll, oh, wow. we'll talk. Yeah. We'll talk about uh, baseball. I got a t- bunch of questions to ask you about baseball today. You know, of course, Tatis rumors, the Lindor trade, your socks, of course. And I know you might know I'm a Yankee fan, but I'm not a Yankee fan. Like I'm
2: a diehard Yankee fan. But, but you're, not... you're not an insufferable Yankee fan.
1: And there's the correct answer. Mm -hmm. I am on the side of hubs and Tommy and mush, but I'm not, I guess the, they're just, they're like almost like they don't, they don't realize when the Yankees are in trouble or not.
2: For sure. Yeah. They're not, they're not realistic at all. They're not in tune with reality. Um, But no, you, you've been very realistic about the Yankees from what I can see.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to see from what's going on, but we'll get into that in, in a second. But um, let's start off. You've been covering the Red Sox, I would say, half of your life, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you, uh, New yeah. Year's Day was 15 years.
1: Jesus Christ, wow. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You first started covering from, I guess, from a standpoint where everyone started recognizing when you published your book, right? Yeah. Talk to me about the process of going, doing that, the age, how you started. And was that, was this like the turning point of like, this is exactly what the career and how I want to go in this business.
2: Yeah. I mean, so I started my blog when I was 16 and like back then, like Barstool existed, but it was not like a job. Like it wasn't a career path. You couldn't be like, Hey, I want to go to Barstool and like make a career for myself. It was more just like you know, I read the blogs, like it was 99% of the blog back then was date. Um, right.
1: And you'd make up names and stuff like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So like Dave was like, you were basically reading Dave's blogs on like everything. It wasn't even like, like they didn't have a Red Sox guy or whatever. Um, he would mix in some Red Sox stuff like here and there, but it wasn't like breaking down the Red Sox. It was more just, I don't know, random stuff. Um, so when I started the blog, uh, like it built up a ton of popularity on MySpace and uh um, oh, MySpace has a throwback. Yeah, like it like I started on MySpace and um like they had this election <laughs> for president of Red Sox Nation in 2007 which was the year after I started Sox Space and like the people that read my website they just like voted me in. Like I wasn't like I didn't like sign up for it. It was right. like yeah. a bunch of celebrities. It was like uh, Dennis Larry and Ben Affleck and Peter Gammons and Jerry Remy and Sam Horn, and then me. It was like it was very bizarre um so I kind of like I never wanted to be public like I was more than happy with being anonymous and like you know staying behind the scenes, but just having you know hmm. being able to write stuff and I was super shy back then i I wanted nothing to do with i mean podcasting wasn't really a thing yet. But just, I wanted to write and that was it. I wanted to hide behind my keyboard forever. Um, so then with the election, there was a debate on Nessen, which is like the Red Sox like, sure, broadcasting yeah. channel. And I was on that and it was just like, boom, like, here you are, you're on TV and people are seeing you and you're up on stage and you're, you're, you know, going at it with like Jerry Remy and Sam Horn and all these guys. And, and that was really kind of just like, trial by fire it's like if you're going to do this let's just your first gig is going to be on nesson and right. your name's on the podium and your face is there and it's it was this whole to do and then that's kind of when i was like all right uh i think we we might have something here where because i was forced like i would i would never would have signed up for that i never would have campaigned to put myself in that position because i was forced into it i was like all right i have no other choice so let's make the most of this opportunity and it felt natural to me to be up there and doing it. Right. And I thought at the time I was like, this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity, like enjoy your 15 minutes of fame and, and keep it moving. But I mean, after that happened, like I was 18 years old. The first time I got like recognized in public at Fenway. That's
1: nuts, dude.
2: Yeah. Like going, cause it was, it, it happened. The debate was in September and then the Red Sox won the world series that year. So like I was going to like playoff games and people were like, Oh my God, like you're that dude from, from Nesson, like the president thing. And yeah, I mean, it, and it just never stopped. I mean, like obviously it blew up at a certain point, but from the time that I was 18, I got recognized at Fenway like a handful of times a year to now it's just like a gong show. Like whenever you I cannot, go you can't step foot in there without no, someone taking no, a photo with you. No. And like, like I ha- that- I've had the same season ticket seats since I was 9. We got them in 98. Right. And uh I mean people have obviously found out where my seats are so like I'll be oh, sitting there yeah. at the game and people <laughs> will just like come up to my seats which like I'm I'm at the end of the row. Like I have a railing on my left arm and then to get to my seats like you got to go all the way down the row and like my dad will be on my right. So people will go to the section to my left and they'll like shimmy down that row to kind of like get to the railing that's on my left because it's like an elevated section like that um yeah so people will just like come up like every they're
1: causing traffic
2: yeah yeah it's crazy but like and like my dad like (laughs) my dad is like just starting to get it like he gets it now but for a while like people will be coming up to me at Fenway he's like oh yeah like do you go to college with that person like do you know who that is like who's that like no like, idea Dad, i don't know who that is like what do you mean you don't know who that is like he just right. like it didn't register in his brain for like many years um he had to see it in bulk before it really like when he when he like in 2018 when he was going to the live shows we were doing live podcasts and uh like i mean we banged out bars it was like just a sea it was like a motley crew concert it was a sea of people they went all the way back to the main entrance and I think like, that's when it finally like stuck out in his head. Like, oh, sure. all right. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe he, he's on to something here. <laughs> Isn't uh, that
1: funny that Like their family members and like your parents, siblings, they'll like see you put hard work into it and they're like, all right, but what else? Like, what's the job? Like, what do you, yeah, you yeah, get yeah. making money? It's like comedians where it's like, you can tell Like, I remember like, oh, I hear stories all the time. Like how comedians would, you know, they're starting to get their, you know, their, their sets in and they're getting their opportunity on stage. And then the parents are like, so, well, what else are you doing? Like, what is your career? And like, dad, this is it.
2: Yeah. And I can't blame them because. You know, I, I tell people all the time that start a blog and then they, they keep up with it for like two months. And then they're like, Hey, can I get a job at Barstool? And it's like, I did this for eight years for $0. So like my parents saw, I mean, like I started the blog in 2006 and i didn't get paid until 2012 kind of like 12 like i got paid like whatever it was like 300 bucks a week or something like that and then like at the end of the year they were like yeah we have to drastically reduce your pay and i was like <laughs> all right all right sick uh, i think i'll just do it on my own now like i don't want to like it's right. not worth it um so like they saw that where it was like yeah i mean he was doing it and it was successful like a lot of people knew about it but like was it my career? Was it paying the bills? Did I have my own place? No. Um, so it wasn't really until I went to Barstool where they were like, all right, yeah, like, cool, good for you. Because like, I, I was working like a, a desk job at the time. Like when I first went to Barstool, I was working like at an SEO firm and I was making like 40 grand a year. And I thought I was like loaded because all the entry level positions for like a business major. It was like 32 grand, 32 grand, 32 grand. Oh, and so I you were living finally, it up. Yeah. And then I finally saw one that was 40 and I was like, oh man, I'm going to try and interview for this one. And I got the job and I was like, I'm already eight grand ahead of where everyone else is. that started. Right, motherfucker. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, and then like Barcel came along and it was a little bit more than the 40. I mean, it wasn't much more, but it was more. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I want to do and I'm making more than what I would have been making with my actual degree so yeah it just goes from there but like yeah i mean with the whole book thing that was um i wanted to kind of write a memoir about 2007 because you know like the fans of the website put me in that position like i didn't i didn't sign up for it like they were just like jared should be in this presidential election so i i wanted to write a memoir about the experiences that i had because of the people that put me in that position yeah. and then the red Sox went on to win the world series so like it didn't there there was no like right time to like start writing about it because i was like obviously we're focusing on the team like this is the world series champion team like we're gonna you know do that and then after the world series was over that's when i started to write about 2007 and then it ended up being like 50 microsoft word pages So I was like, well, I kind of always wanted to write a book. Didn't really have anything to write about. So I wrote 2007 and then I went back. I was born on opening day, 1989. So I went back and started from 89 up until 2007. And then when I finished that, 2008 happened. So then I wrote 2008. So you were meant to write that.
1: Yeah, it It was was like meant to write that. Hold on. Do you hear my fan? No.
2: Uh-oh, I'm frozen. I can still hear you.
1: Though. You can? Oh, shit. Yeah. This is annoying. Of course, when I just pause it for two seconds. No, I didn't even pause it. You know, this new technology I just get, it's fucking me over right now. All right, I might have to switch over to the FaceTime and then see, look, now my camera lens is legit in my face. <laughs> there we go. Now I'm back. Yeah. Uh, you you don't, you don't hear the fan at all? All yeah. right, cool. Um, but yeah, no, I, that's and and that's the cool thing about all of this is that from that one book, you it's and and getting on Nesson, it's just like you it, for everybody. You only you only need like a little bit of confidence, someone else to tell you that you're really good at it. To then say, all right, I think I want to make this into a career, and then you freaking jumped by. You were on Nesson, you were covering the Red Sox here and there, you were on radio shows all the time. And then you, your face from, you know, you were being this Red Sox fan writing the book, but now you're all over television now. Yeah. I mean, the, I, did, you, did you even have experience in TV before that? No, no. Did ha- I mean, how, how did, how did they, did they give you the opportunity because you are a Red Sox fan and you are this guy. And how, yeah. like, I, I would freak out if I didn't have any TV experience. And like, yeah, you're to be the third guy on the desk.
2: Yeah. I mean, I just, I multiple times I've just had like a rocket ship strapped to my ass. Like I know that I've caught multiple breaks. And I've been very lucky. Like I think I'm good at what I do. But I also know that I've caught many breaks that a lot of people would love to have, have had in their careers. Mm-hmm. Um like wh- like a perfect example is the MySpace thing. I started that space page at the peak of the MySpace craze. So there were a ton of people on there. Like, if sure. I started that thing in 2009, 2010, that doesn't blow up. Like, everyone was already off by then. And like, Facebook was a completely different place to kind of grow something. Um, so, like, I came in guns blazing because I went from I have no audience, no one knows who I am, to I have this blog with 125, 150,000 friends on it to now over to like like, yeah it's like a dot-com website and then twitter's a thing like twitter has obviously taken longer to build up to what it is now but um you know like getting the break with like the the magazine that i wrote for in 2012 like that kind of just confirmation like hey someone thinks that i'm good enough to for them to like pay me to do this and then i kind of lost my passion for it a little bit and then the Red Sox win the World Series in in 2013 and it's like all right we're going to breathe that life back into you that is like a huge thing for me where i was so discouraged and didn't want to do it for a career anymore and then the Red Sox winning in 13 was like if that didn't happen i don't know i don't know if i'm still doing this
1: yo that's really interesting because i didn't know there was a point in time in your career that you lost interest big time if you, can, if you can, tell me the reasoning. Was it some sort of – were you self-conscious? Were you just not motivated? What was it exactly?
2: So, I mean, when I started in 06, I mean, that team didn't make the playoffs, but everyone was still riding the high from 04. 07, they won the World Series. 08, they were a game away from the World Series. 09, they went to the playoffs. 10, it was like, all right, whatever. they They didn't make the playoffs, but it was still like an interesting team. 11 right. – you had like the best team ever that didn't go to the, it was the collab, like it sucked, but it was still like super interesting because of the storyline. And then 2012, it was the first year that I got paid to do it. And that was the most abysmal team of all time. So I was like, oh wow. Like the year that I absolutely, cause before, like I still wrote every day when I wasn't getting paid, but like having to write every day because it's your job, And you don't necessarily want to write about these things because everything was so bad, like more people were interested in the drama stories behind the scenes than the actual baseball on the field. And I was like, this is miserable. And having bosses that like, they hired me to blog, but they were a magazine. So it was like, they had like a newspaper mindset where it was like, all right, we're going to assign you stories. And it's like, well, I only write about like what I care about. Like, I'm not going to write about what you care about and so like we but it was one it was one and done it was one year like they didn't treat me that great and they're it was lost just,
1: man they fucked up
2: yeah it was just not a good fucked fit up. it was not a good right. fit like they didn't i don't think they knew enough about what they were getting when they brought me on and um so i mean i i just i i hated it and i was miserable i was like if this is what it's like to do this for a career like i don't think i want to do this anymore and at that point, like I didn't have a college degree. I didn't like I had started and didn't finish college. Like I wasn't actively taking classes at that point. And I like my mentor at the time, he was a Marine. And I was like, Whoa. you know what? I was like, I was like, I don't know. I mean, like, if if I'm not gonna be a writer, I don't wanna like I don't care enough to finish school. Like, I don't like I'm not passionate about business. I was like, maybe I'll just join the Marines. Like I wanna like do something where Like I didn't want to like do something with the rest of my life where my parents were like, yeah, and this is Jared and he works at this company and it's great. He's got a nine to five, but like whatever. That's how I feel all the time, man. I feel
1: I I don't want to be that, that I don't want to be that guy.
2: Yeah. I don't. I, I, I wanted nothing to do with being that guy. So I was like There's nothing wrong with that kind of guy, by the way. No, I mean, like if you have that's just
1: not how I'm wired and not how you're wired. You
2: have obligations, you got a family, you got kids, you got bills, like you do what it takes to like meet those obligations. Like you pay your bills, you take care of your family, you do all that stuff. Right. I didn't have family, like I didn't have very many bills. So it was like I'm not in a rush to just like take up some job that I'm gonna hate for the rest of my life and just call it quits on this, whatever. So I was like, you know what? Uh, like my, one of my best friends went into the army and he came out and then he became like a firefighter. I was like, I was like, you know, this, this, like my mentor at the time, like, I was like, he talks about the Marines 24 seven. I was like, maybe I'll just do that. And I went and I took like the written test and I sat down with the recruiter talking about like, you know, if, if you make it through, like, these are the different jobs that you can have while you're in the Marines. And I've told that story like on radio before where like like the Red Sox were so bad in 2012 that like I almost like preferred to be in Afghanistan than Boston, which like has some truth to it. Like that was re- like, if the Red Sox were great in 2012, am I considering going into the Marines? No. Um, that's, that's insane. What I was it was, the, it was like, they were the deciding point yeah. for your career. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, incredible. Like, just like the failed experiment with like actually doing it for a job, getting paid, having bosses The red sox being so bad and so unlikable and also the i mean the biggest thing was that i had a friend of mine that uh helped put together like a powerpoint resume type deal like it wasn't just like your standard resume it was like a powerpoint and he customized like 50 of them it was it was my resume but it was like Boston Globe, here's what I want to do for you. Boston Herald, here's what I want to do for you. Providence Journal. He did that for every out, like if you covered the Red Sox, right. he made a resume custom to you. And I sent out 50 emails with these custom resumes being like, I want to work for you. Here's what I've done, here's what I mm. can do for you, here's what I'm all about. And I got like two responses. One of them was like a like no thanks we're all we're all set and the other one was like we'll let you know if anything opens up and which is
1: also it's always a no
2: yeah and yeah yeah. so i mean back then literally if you cover the red Sox, you could have had me and everyone passed so i was like all right like i shot my shot and nobody wants me even though i've built up like this massive audience and i feel like i'm good at this um it's what i want to do well like well, when you kind of go for it, it, it's the same thing as like having a crush on a girl for like years. And then you finally ask her on a date and then she's just like, I just see us as friends. And it's like, all right, then, you know, like you've right. made all the effort you possibly can. Like the, the dream of marrying this girl is dead. Like you're not going to like once this girl ha- like doesn't care enough to the point where she's like, I totally just see us as friends. There's no convincing or otherwise like, hey, but like I can do this and I can do that. It's like, no, you're just making it worse for yourself. So I was like, all right, like, that's it. Like, I gave it a shot. Like, I I did this for many years, and it didn't work out. So I was like, I guess we're going to go into the Marines. And Oh, wow, dude,
1: that's insane how, like, that just – isn't that crazy how things work like that? And, yeah. And, and then you just kind of give it
2: one more shot, Really I clearly. mean, I – it came down to my mom wrote me a letter, like uh. – Begging me wow. not to go into the marine, and she was like, "I don't want you to give up on this. Like, I know, like, writing is what you want to do. I know that you're really good at it. Like, just you know, like, give more time." How old five. are you? 2012. I would have been what, like, twenty-two, twenty-three.
1: Oh, that's that's young, man.
2: Yeah, I was twenty-three. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, she just was like, "I don't want." I don't want to see like the person who you are, like change. Um, Like, I don't want, obviously don't want anything to happen to you. Uh, Um, Yeah. So she just kind of like wrote this letter and I was like, well, shit, I guess. I guess I'm not doing this. I mean, I was dead set. Like, I was, I, that's fucking nuts, dude. Imagine no rocket covering no baseball. I mean,
1: honest, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to like, you know, suck dick over here, but you're fucking, (laughs) you're a god at Barstool and you're like one of the better. You're, 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 you're personally, I think the biggest one like top 10 at least big baseball guys, you know, come, you know, reporters out there.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, almost didn't happen i mean and that's what's nuts and i yeah. and i love
1: how that you know i'm sure you don't think about it all the time but there's times when you're having like a lot of success like one day or one week or one month whatever and you look back at those 50 different places that said no to you
2: oh yeah and you're like
1: mm, like yeah. that mm-hmm. bang, bang like yeah. that suck it um yeah. i'm absolutely killing it you got i have you run into anybody from the you know those places that are like oh you know too bad you're not working here and it's like well dick I, I actually applied and you guys said no to it
2: i bet you that a majority like a vast majority of those places don't right. even like they didn't put two and two together like so stupid like, oh I, I bet you if i if i was like a dick and i like like went back through like my emails and followed up and been like, what about now? Oh, that'd be sad. dude! Oh, yeah. The revenge tour—you gotta yeah. do it. That'd be so funny. Yeah. Um, I mean, like the only other place that I know, like, was aware that I wanted to work there and they basically passed was WEEI. Like, um, oh, I wow. I had t- I had talked to them in like 2011, maybe. Sure. Um, yeah. So 2011. 2011, I was talking to them about maybe coming on and then they never really followed up. And then also when David Price signed with the Red Sox in 2015, I was at Barstool, but, um, I got WEI the first interview with David Price, like he had just signed and I, I was filling in on Christmas Eve. So he was with the Red Sox for like three weeks at that point. And I was like, Hey, like, this is like a big deal for me. Like WEI is like, having me on to fill in for their drive time show for four hours. Like, would you mind coming on to do an interview? And he was like, yeah, sure. No problem. And he came on and then like, I never heard from anyone at EEI. Like, dude, I got you David Price. Like he just signed with the Red Sox and I got you his like first interview. And, uh, That pissed me off, man. I remembered that when like i was doing radio stuff and like sport like i wanted to go to the sports hub like i was like I before i moved to new york i was doing regular radio spots um and i was like yeah like i'm going to the sports hub and then eei was trying to get me from the sports hub uh and i was like no nah. i was like i don't like i wouldn't even go there for more money like i like the sports hub actually gave me a shot and it doesn't like, you know what that means that regular. means almost more
1: to yeah. somebody <laughs> i mean i mean depending on who what people value you know mm-hmm. but to me, I mean, if it was a significant jump in money, then of course yeah. I might consider it. But for me, I would absolutely be in the same shoes. One, they respect me. Two, they gave me a shot. And, you know, they respect my work. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's the bottom line.
2: Yeah. I was very bitter about that. I mean, I don't care now. But, like, back sure. then, you know, to not even – they put the full interview on their website and everything. And to not even hear from anyone at EEI, like, hey, That's so uh, fucked. saw you. You were the reason why we got David Price. Like, let's talk. Nothing, nothing. So I never, fucked. I never did like another show for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like to even just get my foot in the door. I remember I reached out. This was the summer of fourteen, so I wasn't at Barstool yet. At the end of the fourteen season is when I would go to Barstool, but the summer of fourteen. I remember I just like reached out to Mutt on Twitter and was like, "Hey, do you need an intern?" And he was like "He's like, "Well, yeah. we can't pay you." But like, what like what type of like stuff are you trying to do?" And I was like, "He's like, well, I listen to the late night show that you do, like the the Red Sox post game show, and I know that you're by yourself and like I'm sure that there's like stuff that you're probably like thinking of like stats or something or like whatever and it's like you you can't talk and research at the same time. So I was like, I can like just like look up stats for you while you're on the air and oh wow. Whatever. And he was like, Yeah, he's like, you know, he's like again, I can't pay you, but if you want to do that, then you're more than welcome to. So I was there like every night, just like sitting in, like It's I the extra
1: sitting, work, man. It's the extra yeah. work.
2: Yeah. Like Put you over the top. Yeah. Pat Pat O'Day uh was doing the like producing the Red Sox games on radio and I would just sit next to him and like watch him kind of like do his thing and like you know, I'd be able to like watch the game on TV, but I'm hearing Joe Castig do the games and like hearing him talk back and forth. Like, yeah, You're during, smiling uh, now. It well, looks like you were in heaven then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was so cool to like, Oh yeah, absolutely. Know, see, like the inner workings of that and then just go down the hall and then Mutt's doing the, the Red Sox post game show. And um, I mean, like I was doing like the grunt work, but like people knew that I was there. So like, I, I could see like the text line, and like people were like texting in like hashtag free Carabas like they wanted me to like go on the air and I was That's like nah sick. I was like I'm I'm just doing my job here it's like I'm just gonna look up stats or whatever um, and then eventually like I I did a couple post game shows like later on like a couple of years down the line like I ended up like going back and actually doing the show which was cool right um but yeah I mean like a lot of stuff like that is just like you take the initiative and put yourself out there like people just want to like get rich quick it's like well i'm doing this and like well what can you pay me i, I didn't even ask for money i was like hey can i go right. there and help you and just like see see what's up yeah. with all this and look
1: if you if you want to be like in this industry what i've i'm still i'm 25 turning 26 next month so i'm still fairly young and i've i've hopped around certain places but you know it's um you gotta like just first of all extra work is if you're not doing work outside of your job that you already have when you're making that at that job, you're making like $0 or like minimum wage or a little above that yeah. you have to do extra shit. And Thank you me. clearly, you're, you're like the prime example. You have years upon years of, and, and threads of stuff you did outside. No, not making money, but now it's like fast forward to Barstool. Now mm-hmm. you have three shows, mm-hmm. starting nine section 10, which you've had for a long time.
2: Yeah, it's and the
1: second Barstool podcast ever. Yeah, KFC KFC Radio is first, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to. Remember. Yeah, so you have that, and then you have Morning Wood, which is yep. brand new as of the pandemic. Yep. Starting nine, um, when you talk about like the duos, the of of podcast hosts, yeah, there's a lot of Barstool, PMT, mm-hmm. KFC Radio, and um, you know, chicks in the office. You can go on and on. You guys, you and Dallas, have this. Awesome rapport, an awesome relationship that is a match made in heaven. From Mm -hmm. what from baseball fans, you have Dallas Braden, perfect game, and it's funny because it's like everyone busts his balls. That that's the only thing you can he can show for which Mm -hmm. honestly it is. But it's one of the greatest feats in baseball history, right? And it's there's like it separates him because he has his perfect game. He had a you know career in Major League Baseball, but the personality I think matches up with your personality perfectly, and. Before we go on with starting nine, last it was what what, what, what I think it was last year. Where was the winter meetings? San Diego, right? Yeah. So I couldn't make it, but my cousin, who um, I swear to god, my cousin Eli will be a GM um mm-hmm. in the future. He's gonna be, he's doing front office stuff. He's a brilliant oh, yeah. guy, play college ball. He was there and I said, You have to get me anybody to do like an intro, like um. This is so-and-so from blank, and you're listening mm. to the end of the bench. Mm. I went to Cooperstown last summer, two summers ago. I got Pete Rose to do it. I've gotten other guys to do it, and I got Dallas Braden to do it. I'm going to show <laughs> you right now. It is fucking fantastic. I I, I was, like, worried I was going to forget about this. If I can find it.
2: I wonder which, where I was at the time of this recording. I don't
1: know. You might have been there. I, I, don't, I don't know, but, oh, I, come on. I got to find it. it it's – oh, here we go. All right unmute it i'll i'll switch it
0: around here so you got dallas bread right in there oh my god it's, now it's muted again
1: okay how we doing folks this is how oh, i got harold Ramsey. how we doing folks it's your boy db barstool sports starting nine and you are listening to the end of the bench scoot your ass down <laughs> yeah dude and we i just told i told my cousin eli i might tell them just to ad lib do whatever they want yeah he did that and look you didn't have to do that
2: yeah no he dude. loves doing that stuff
1: and just talk about the relationship between youtube and and how much of a like a a, a cool guy is he to work with uh day in day out i'm sorry nine.
2: yeah i mean the thing with dallas and i is that i mean when you have podcasts it's almost like being in a band and uh, you know, I, I don't wanna like throw like ricochet shots at other people, but like I feel like some people are more concerned with being like Adam Levine, whereas oh, Dallas okay. and I are more concerned with being like Led Zeppelin. Like like, you know, you you can name most, if not all, the members of Led Zeppelin because they're all great at what they do and the band is great. And then right. Adam Levine, it's like yeah, he just you know he he's he's a standout star. Yes, he had a band, but like it's Adam Levine, um, and everyone. I, I feel like a lot of people want to be that, but like Dallas and I, we care about the band. Like we don't care about uh like being like the standout guy. Like like I, it, it's it's not even like a one A and one B. It's just one A and one A. Like we're very much fifty fifty with that show. Um, like a lot of other podcasts, like you can tell who the alpha dog is like with starting nine it's just like if you watch us do our thing and you watch us like do an interview if you didn't know us i don't think you'd be able to be like all right that guy's that guy's the one that guy's the two it's like you wouldn't be able to if you didn't if you genuinely had never heard of us before and didn't know us and you sat in on an interview i don't think you'd be able to tell like who's one and who's that's, two and that's how i think
1: it should be and it's so i i think i think what barcel makes uh is really good at is when they find talent and they put two people together that have never worked together before. Yeah. And that they, they, it's, you don't really see a lot of that Adam Levine type host mm-hmm. and the rest is just the, uh, the second guy in ch- or the second guy there or second girl there. Yeah. There's a lot of people that work together and they're perfect. They either they butt heads like the Casey and Brendan Walker kind of stuff or, and they also like each other too. But, um, but like you guys just mesh so well and the joking around. But aside from the joking around personality stuff, the amount of information that both you guys know and put into a podcast. Now, shout out Jay. Hey, We don't leave him out either. But right. when, it come, when, when it comes to the two of you together, it's, it's such a good matchup because you have you, the baseball writer, and then you have the, the athlete, the mm-hmm. player. And it's just a yes. match made in heaven.
2: Like with Dallas, I mean, he's just so smart and he, like, the reason why I love working with Dallas is because I can still learn new things about baseball and I can see things a different way. And and like, he gives me a perspective that I wouldn't have otherwise. And like, I, even if I don't agree with him, like I respect his stance on things and his point of view, um like if we ever disagree on something it's never like one person's wrong and the other person's right it's more just like i respect that you feel that way but i feel this way and yeah like a lot of the disagreements are that way where it's just we're coming from two completely different worlds two completely different places with different experiences so naturally we are going to feel differently about different things but when there is a disagreement it's like I'm more likely to listen to his stance because it's like, well, maybe I'm missing something like maybe he's seeing something that I'm not seeing. Um, maybe he experienced something that I've never experienced. So like, I should probably just like listen to what he's saying and try to understand it from his point of view. Um, and you can't do that if you have like two, like egomaniacs that are like, I can (laughs) never be wrong about anything. Like I recognize I can be wrong. Um, and I recognize that I might not have all the life experience to like feel a certain way about a certain situation or um, yeah. I mean, I think with, with our dynamic, like if there's so much give and take where there, there are differing point of views, which is great. Like you never want to have a podcast where both people disagree with each other all the time. But I think that even when we disagree on things, both sides are respected because it's like, I've had life experiences myself too. And it's like, I'm coming from a different place, but that place isn't from a place of like, I don't know what I'm talking about. It's just, I come from a place where I experienced things differently than you did. Um, But yeah, I mean like the whole thing about Dallas is that you're, you're never going to find someone like from a starting nine perspective, that's ever going to care about the brand more like he's super passionate about like growing the game and getting like people excited about baseball and informing people and like showcasing players in a certain way where like maybe you're not a white Sox fan but now you love lucas giolito because of the conversation that we've had with that guy and i think like our goal in like growing you the use, team,
1: do you still use his hair joe with the hair i do. reference
2: i do yeah All right. All right. i still use the brand I still right. use the brand. I actually I gave it. him a recommendation the other day too. It's wow. something different. Yeah. I was like, I think we might have found like a different secret weapon and I send him the Amazon like. So, yeah, <laughs> we'll keep in touch about our hair products. Um but like the thing about like Dallas and myself is that we're both so much on the same page about like Dallas loves the A's. I love the Red Sox. But I I I would love to live in a world where baseball fans got excited watching two completely different teams that weren't theirs, like playing each other, because it's like, well, I like that player. I like that player. I heard this interview. He's funny. And like, if you're sitting there with like one of your friends that doesn't know any players on either team, they can now sit there and be like teaching them about these players because of stuff that they heard in like interviews with like starting nine. So, right. um, Yeah. That's, I mean, it's a lot of fun doing the show with him it's something you know it's 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 much different from section 10 section 10 is completely different from starting nine and like the band example like section 10 it can't be that like equal band thing like the section 10 is like the nwo like i'm hulk hogan i got the title but like scott hall and kevin nash like you don't want to mess with those dudes either like they're still very good in their own right And they can go off and do their own stuff from like a singles perspective but when we get together it's just like the mega powers of like uh like red sox podcasting so like there is like a front man there but that's just like you know that's because in like the red sox realm i've just been doing it for so long um but it is it's not like like section 10 isn't there's a front man and you don't even know the other bandmates. It's the cast of characters, right? Yeah. It's the NWL. Like there's very clearly a leader, but like the other two dudes, like those are big names too.
1: Pretty good. That's a pretty good example when it comes to describing what section 10 is and that following is unreal. But with with starting nine, the, the guests all timers you've had hall of famers, MVPs, Cy Youngs, rookie years, I mean, I have a list of, geez, I have a list of like 15. Cal Ripken, Bryce Harper, Arenado, Yellich, Bregman, Bauer, and Bieber, Clevenger, Strowman, which Strowman's one of my favorite interviews, um, yeah. fan favorites in, in Brock Holt. But you said in a, in a, um, I think it was an interview I read or something, I don't know where it was, I keep forgetting, but Josh Donaldson is your favorite non-Red Sox player interview.
2: Yeah. I can yeah. see why. Yeah, he's. I love Josh Donaldson, and like, I would love for him to get into podcasting So Like, I think he'd be great Dude, at. It. I, watching
1: watching the live stream during yeah. the postseason, the guy yeah. needs to be on there because you can see how angry angry he was getting yeah. with calls and situational stuff, base running
2: things. Yeah, he needs to get one. That's how like, I mean, during the postseason, we obviously did the live streams, and Donaldson, like, we had him on once. And then after that he would just like text me and be like dude get me on like he, like something would I happen see. in the game and he'd be like send me the right. link like he wanted it and i was like that's exactly like what we need but you know starting nine uh maybe someday he's a part of it um yeah but like donaldson is great i mean i love interviewing christian yelich um, right, like that's a dude that i never have to do any prep for i can just like show up and then you know, we're, we're good to go. And we can do like 45 minutes. And be Isn't great.
1: that great where there's, there's no prep. Like, I honestly, I didn't need to do all this notes. I know enough about you from following you. I didn't need any of it. Like I don't need anything mm-hmm. for KFC. When right. I get him on, I'll never yep. need it. There's certain yep. people that I like, I had, you know, I had Francis Ellis on my first guest a while back. Mm. I needed a little background just like early, like Harvard stuff, whatever. But like, I didn't really need to know much about him either. Yeah. But, it's, it's about the, like the relationship. Like I, I, you know, I don't know you, but like, I feel like I know you, which is a lot how all these Red Sox fans must feel when they meet you mm-hmm. at Red Sox at, um, at Fenway park. With stuff you and Elich, crazy. Yeah. With you and Yelich, the relationship, you can definitely tell it's more than just an, an another interview. It's like, it's a nice friendship. Like you and Donaldson are the same way.
2: Yeah. Like Yelich. I mean, I've, I've known him for Like, um, like now it's probably like Marlon days too. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. All right, you can do the office a couple of times, right? Yeah, we started following each other on Twitter like twenty fifteen maybe. Okay, um so
1: you're in Barstool already.
2: Yeah, like yeah. I we start following each other, and I think he was probably just like a Barstool fan, like paying attention to like who was like a baseball person at Barstool. Sure. and Then he followed me, and I was like, "Yeah, I know who this dude is." <laughs> like I followed him back, and then we kind of just like became friends, and like the when the jose fernandez stuff happened like oh, i remember like talking yeah. to him like like the night the night that um they played their first game after sure. jose fernandez died i remember like like talking to him being like i don't know how you guys just did that like i don't know how you guys went out on the field and just played a baseball game um so yeah he responded relationship- back to
1: you he, he oh, was yeah. talking see that's that I think to me automatically tells me that he's a very good friend of yours yeah. because uh, I mean, like they don't want to talk to, I mean, I'm sure Chris didn't want to talk to anybody after that. Right. Right. And the fact that you guys had a rapport after this horrible accident, I guess means a lot to you. It, meant, it probably meant it probably was like a wake up call. It's like, all right, I think we're like actually good friends now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, he's, he's one of those dudes where like, he's he's quiet confident like he knows he's good but he's humble at the same time and it was cool to like watch his come up where like yeah he was a good outfielder with the marlins but then when he goes to the brewers and he wins an mvp i mean he was it wasn't like he just like starts like big time people because it's like oh, i'm I'm an mvp it was like it was the same christian yelich like the same dude like quiet mild mannered dude humble chill like a typical cali cali guy and um yeah, no, I mean, like, if there's anyone that I'm like super happy for their personal success, like, it's him. Like, he's he deserves every ounce of the success that he's had, and I hope that he continues to have even more success. Um, but yeah, like, that was that was really cool to go from like, oh, here here's a dude that plays major league. He was probably like, one of like the first non Red Sox players that followed me that sure. I knew who they were, and I was like, oh, that's cool. I was like, I know who that is, <laughs> and and then, yeah, and we've just like developed this relationship over time. But with Josh Donaldson, I mean, I I loved him with the Blue Jays, like, before I knew him. Like, I I just – I love right-handed hitters that mash homers. So, I was a big fan of his. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I was a big fan of his in Toronto. And then, um, you know, when I started working with Dallas, I think Josh took notice of that because they were teammates in Oakland. And then, like, we followed each other and we just, like, started, like, talking, bullshitting or whatever. And then when we interviewed him, it was – I mean, it was great. Like, he's, he's a dude that, like, he gets the shtick and he's going to bullshit with you. And, like, you guys can talk shit to each other back and forth. Like, some, I, I can't think of any example off the top of my head. But, like, actually, it kind of happened with Brian Wilson at first when we first started doing. Oh, jeez, like that Nine guy's a lunatic, show. dude. Yeah, he's the best. But, like, he – Yeah. Um, you could tell, like, the first few episodes of the Starting Nine digital show – where he might have thought the dynamic was gonna be like, I'm the baseball player, you're the nerd, baseball, like whatever, like broadcaster guy. So like we're we're gonna dunk on you, but like you can't dunk on us back. And then when I was doing it back, he was like, whoa. But like eventually like now, like when he was doing the live streams, like now like we have a friendship, like we can shit on each other. But at first, I think he was a little taken aback like of like, oh, like me and Dallas are the baseball players. This guy's like the nerd studio host, and we're just going to make fun of him because he didn't play baseball. But and You can separate that with somebody. And the thing is, with starting nine in Barcelona in general,
1: you know, people want to do podcasts at Barcelona because it is a place where you can just be yourself and laid back. It's not your most traditional interview. You guys are talking about – you know, not, you know, the ins and outs of the game, of course you are, but then you talk about just the bullshit stuff, the funny moments and, or you're just bullshit about anything. And I think that's, and also not having, you know, restrictions on what you can say is also definitely Mm -hmm. an easier thing for, for you and also makes the content even better. But, and then that's where it goes with the, you know, the top golf video with Yelich and Eric Dames and Travis Shaw, there's the, um, you're doing the sit down interview at Strowman's mansion in Tampa that which that house is insane. he just got a house yeah, in like Utah cool. too. So like the guy is just He's all over loaded all yeah. over the place. Um, so that, I think that's like the cool aspect of the show too. And then there's, you have this, the white whale, which I know who the white whale is mm-hmm. and I have his pirate's Jersey. I was going to wear it, but I decided Hell not to yeah. wear it. Look at that They're bonds. Yeah. That's unbelievable, dude. It is. I uh it. I will, I will, absolutely say that, that is a fake jersey that absolutely is that's all right yeah but this one alex gordon baby blue 100 real i got a levin longoria world series edition real i got um a couple other ones in there but uh that's a guy barry bonds that's the guy that's the guy or, or i'm sure Mike trout is too but eh. barry bonds barry bonds is the guy to you that's the white whale if when when you get it because i know it's going to happen <laughs> you got to tell me like, where's the ideal place to do it? Is it in the dugout at, you know, I don't know. It's called AT&T parks though. Uh, they might've changed, Oracle. right? Oracle, right, right, right. I, I still call it AT&T. Um, <laughs> would it be in the dugout? Would it be like, you know, I, I, wh- where, where would you want to do it? At, you know, headquarters at uh, in Barstool or?
2: No. What would the I questions be? That. I I wouldn't, I'll, I'll I would go anywhere in the world to interview Barry like if he was like hey um I'm a hitting coach for this professional team in Australia and uh you know I really want to do the podcast so if you guys can get here let's do it and I'd be like all right I'm on the next 18 hour flight hey. to Sydney Australia yeah um I would go anywhere but like I don't I would take it if that's the only way I could get it was HQ but I don't want it to be at, at HQ because then you know he's going to do the car wash like Barry. Right, right, he right, right. right. The interview with me, but then he would do the interview with Part PMT, of My Take and yeah. maybe KFC Radio. And then he goes on like Barso Breakfast and then he goes and does the rundown. He does a pizza review. So And then you, um, you could get him in like the fourth the fourth podcast and he's worn out. Yeah. Y- yeah, yeah,
1: you don't want that.
2: Yeah. So I <clears throat> I would love to like If like, do it at his house, do it at a ballpark, do it literally anywhere, but the, the office, um, because I would want the extra time with him too. Like I would want, like, depending like if he had like an hour, I would use every second of that hour to do the interview. And I, I mean, like the thing about like my interviewing style is that I don't, I don't really map them out. Like I, I have a question yeah. I have a question that I want to start with and then wherever it goes, it goes. Cause like, I'll know enough about the subject to where if they say something I can pivot to something else or I can ask a question based off what they said or that's like, how everything should be done. History. Yeah.
1: That's how podcasting should be done, which is frankly, you know, all of bars. that's how they kind of map it out. There is a, sometimes you map out an interview, but you kind of let it go with the flow. But would you ask him, the sensitive topics the steroid allegations the all all that stuff i mean what would you say i
2: mean you can't i feel like i feel like
1: it's not yeah i feel like it's obvious you have to talk about it
2: yeah i mean you can't not touch it but like you you have to do it in a certain way like you can't be like oh yeah yeah so did you take steroids like no it's it's more just like like do you feel that? you've been made to be a scapegoat um just because like you were the best of the best like there's there's many people who have had peds linked to them because there's a pudge i mean pudge clearly like yeah
1: that's a guy piazza has been rumored to it you know
2: wrote in his book that he took steroids
1: right and then like pudge is like clear like almost obvious that like he he, yeah i think he took it
2: I mean, Jose Canseco, I'm pretty sure, said that he injected Pudge. So, like, Jose Canseco has yet to lie about any of this. But right. um, I think it is, it is like, an unfair scapegoating type deal because a lot of guys took it, but, it, like, he just happened to be the most talented. So, because he was the most talented, he becomes the poster boy for it. Like, steroids made his career when that's just, you know, like, did they help? Sure, um, allegedly. But – uh, with Barry, I'm sure he has a lot of things to say that sure. Uh, I'm sure he's just been sitting on. I mean, like the whole Bryce Harper interview, that was like a perfect example of like what we can help do for players, where they're just sitting on these thoughts and they have nowhere to put them because they don't have they don't have someone that they trust that they can talk to. And right. I don't know that I'm gonna have the opportunity to build a relationship with Barry before we sit down and have an interview, but like Bryce was someone that we got to know each other for a few months. And like, we talked regularly enough to where it's like, this is someone that I trust. And then the interview ended up being two hours and he, he wanted to keep going, but we were like, yeah, we don't want to take up too much of your time, man. Like you gave us plenty of time. Um, So yeah, I mean, like I, I think with Barry, I would obviously handle it in a way that would make him comfortable because like, I'm not out to get him. I'm out to like, show the world that barry is misunderstood and Mm. that he has great stories that have yet to been like told on the record because i mean where is he gonna like you know the media is just like out to get him like where can you go where someone is just gonna be like yeah we know we know all the bad stuff let's talk about the good stuff there is a lot of good stuff so
1: yeah i mean and and that's like like almost interviewing one-on-one it's like how how to get to the topic that almost everyone wants to hear about but without making the person you're interviewing either uncomfortable annoyed pissed off want to leave and it's it's an art form it Mm -hmm. absolutely is i mean people can say oh you're just talking like nah dude you you gotta like somehow squeeze it in low-key in a conversation and it just kind of works out and whenever like i i've had a feel i had a couple times where i wanted to ask something and i and I kind of was told not to, but I kind of like almost did it anyway, but I maneuvered it in a way where it worked mm. out and it killed. And he actually said it. Like I, I interviewed Craig Carton, mm. just recently, my last podcast. And, I, you know, I had 25 minutes. That was the time I had. And I, were, I wanted to ask a couple questions about the gambling stuff, you know, mm. him losing everything. Mm-hmm. And I just said one thing about just getting a second chance. And that's all I said. And that he went into it and it was, I was very nervous to ask something so sensitive because he went on WEI not too long ago, that. dude. I'm like, how do you answer that? How do you ask that question? You know? And, you know, and, and I, and I do watch, I, I learn a lot from you and how to interview and how to ask certain questions and when it's kind of sensitive stuff, if it's, um, I don't know, there's a lot of examples, but you know, um, that's the good, that's the, the amazing thing about what, how you interview people. And I think, when you interview Bonds, it's gonna be a walk in the park. You know, around the bases, it'll be easy. Yeah, um, it's, it's gonna be sick. But and I, I think Trout is gonna be a, a guy that I think will come on the pod eventually. I think for you guys, I hope what so. Is, my, my last question for starting nine, and then we'll get into some baseball topics here. Goals for starting nine in twenty twenty one. If you can say it, I know there's some maybe some hints of new stuff you might be putting out. Whatever you can tell. Me in the in the, the listeners slash viewers on the on the podcast.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I've got like like th- maybe three new shows that I'm I think I'm gonna be putting out in 2021 that are video shows. Um, really? Yeah, I'm gonna be doing th- I think three new video shows, maybe even like four. Like we've got I've got, got like a lot of stuff where it's like, all right, here's the idea, here's how we're gonna do it, and it's just a matter of like executing it. And is like, it Morty
1: Wood style, where it's like very short, compact kind of stuff, or is a long feature? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Like one of them, um, because I mean, I, I threw a tweet out there about one of them. I was like, you know, we did like the Shane Bieber, uh, Cy Young documentary, and I was like, I I want to do this with other players, but like, over a full season, and that's, like, that's, I'll cover one guy or just yeah, or cover yeah, one guy, yeah, one guy, but like different episodes. So it's like we would film this year with multiple players and then put them out like next off season or something like that. Sure. Um, and a, a bunch of guys like big name players were interested in doing it. So like that was one idea that would be a little bit more like a long form type deal. And then I have, uh, like three other shows or show ideas that I kind of like pitch to, like bar stool, and they're like all right let's do it so i mean that's in addition to morning wood so like we'll have like the docu series with players if that works out because the pandemic right. um the three other show ideas that i had uh morning wood section 10 starting Nine, cck and then the crime dogs podcast with kevin that we might be or, i mean he i we talked about it last week about doing or starting that so that's that's one of the new shows you want to do no, that's, so that's nine. And Dude, then, sick. and then I have another one where, <clears throat> um, it's, they've been negotiating for months. Like
1: and now those new shows are those pandemic, like with the pandemic and how COVID works out that determines on the shows or these can be remotely,
2: um, no, I can do all of them remote. I mean, like, the one with Kevin, I, I know we want to do in person because we want to, like, incorporate, like, a YouTube-type, uh, I guess, layer to it where we, sure. like, make videos for, like, the, the crime episodes. Um, but everything else, I mean, I can do at my studio here. So, oh, okay. Um, nice. Yeah, but that's – if everything works out, I'll have 10 shows total.
1: Do you sleep? Because, like, that's, like, oh, plus, 10 shows. Plus
2: 11. I do the Kirk Minahan show. I do that once a week now, so – I'm officially a part of uh, the Kirkman and universe. So 11 shows.
1: Uh, I'll ask you some other questions off air that I'm very interested about, about that stuff. I don't know if you can even talk about it on here, but like, that's incredible. 11 shows potentially. That's, potentially
2: 11 shows. If everything that's pans insane. out. 11. yeah. <laughs> well, success is coming
1: no matter what we'll see. Um, we'll see. But let's talk baseball now. Start off. Now I want you legit get unfiltered. You've been unfiltered so far, but I really want you to get emotions filled. Okay. I want to I want to see it. What's gonna happen with the twenty twenty one Red Sox? What is your uh, outlook on the season, the division? Because look, I mean the Yankees are stacked. We all know that, right? The Yankees are, are stacked. Oh, I, hold on. I actually want to uh, reel it back before one more question about Pablo Sandoval. You've had mm-hmm. in, you've had rough patch with drew Pomeranz. you don't like aaron judge you can rattle off some guys but mm-hmm. the pablo sandoval relationship is just it's never been there no yeah i want I, you to tell me how judge, much you hate I, the guy
2: i, I just I, I don't even dislike judge i think he's awesome when he's healthy but i just know how triggered yankee fans get when you like point out that he's never healthy like they they talk yeah. about him like he's a god but it's like he's when he plays it healthy, daughter, when he's healthy, he's ridiculous.
1: Healthy.
2: Yeah, but he's never healthy. And I, I, I'll i say that, and they'll get so upset. And, like, anytime that I ever talk about the Yankees, I usually just say f- factual things, and that upsets them because they don't like to face reality. Like, I'll never just, like, throw an opinion out there that can't be based in fact. But, you know, that's – it's it's very easy with Yankee fans to get them all riled up. But Pablo, yeah, no, I've always hated Pablo. He's <laughs> – I don't think he's a good person. And it was even worse that he was terrible with the Red Sox. And just like, you didn't like seconds.
1: the signing when he did it, when the, when the nope. Sox signed him after coming nope. off the world series giants, he's this incredible postseason player.
2: Yeah. There was, um, cause I know the people have tried to like fact check me on this. They were probably like, Oh, you probably love the signing when it happened, but there are tweets from that off season where someone like tweeted me and they were like, who do you want for third base next year? And, like, I did, like, a power rankings, and it was, like, um, Josh Donaldson, Chase Headley, Hanley Ramirez, and then Dude, pa- you took, Pablo. You took Chase
1: Headley over
2: – I mean, Headley at the time was, like – I mean, was
1: that the year? He was just Wasn't coming off, year? like, the
2: 119 yeah. runs. Yeah, like the league in
1: RBIs, right, yeah, that one yeah. year where he went off.
2: Yeah, I'm, so <clears throat> even still, it's, like, I would have taken Chase Headley over Pablo, knowing how, like, Headley's career went after that. But, yeah, no, Pablo was an absolute disaster. I, I didn't like him as a person. I had heard, like, so many stories about him where I was like, this dude sucks, and then just, like, the, the disrespect of showing up to spring training even more overweight, and then when asked about it, he said he had nothing to prove. And it's like, dude, the Red Sox just yeah, gave you $95 million. 2015, you had your worst statistical year of your entire career, and it was year one with the Red Sox. Like, it's, a, it's your first impression with a new fan base, and you're like, yeah, I have nothing to prove. No, you have everything to prove. And right. he had just the worst attitude, terrible player, terrible person, and I just didn't let him off the hook. And like, like in
1: bikini pictures in, in the middle of games.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah so, I mean, with, you know, you mentioned, like, the freedom to say whatever you want i took that freedom with pablo and i think that he just was not used to that like someone that actually had like a big platform sure. saying the things that i was saying um yeah he wasn't ready for that
1: that you know that would be an all-time sit-down interview if it ever happened if because everyone knows the, the the bad blood between you know you and him mm-hmm. that'd be insane
2: Cause yeah, I, I, mean, I, rem- I would do it i don't
1: think he would but i would oh of course i mean content 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 be great mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah i remember um, miguel snow in 2018 he was very overweight like he was big dude and mm-hmm. he he needed to prove a little bit he he's this you know the big name prospect and he couldn't really get it done and i remember he got set down to legit lose weight and there was i think a story didn't surface but throughout the twins like beat writers and like some of the guys in the radio where i was working in there was a story that he was he ate a full pie pizza pie in the middle of a game. When he DH'd, he would like you know, when he wasn't at bat, he'd go downstairs in the clubhouse and eat pizza. There was a, there was one time when he got sat when he got sent down, and I was like, "What the fuck? Like well, this guy needs to lose weight and needs he's to get his a act together."
2: Of a human being too. By oh, well. I
1: know, I, I bro, I've seen him up close and personal. I mean, now I mean, when I saw Mattel's in eighteen, he was thick, and fat, but you know, now he's gotten his act together. He's mashing homers, um, lost a lot of weight. But um, let's yeah. get back to the whole Red Sox thing, 2000, 2021. Will they recover from from last year? And the pitching staff, God, that was one of the worst pitching staffs the Red Sox have had in a long time, which John, you can't
2: even argue that. No, it Not, was terrible.
1: No, terrible. You had, was it uh, Martin Perez was the, was the guy?
2: He was all right. He was better than yeah. Garrett Cole at uh, points. I don't know if I can agree with
1: that one. I mean, I mean we, were like, is...
2: we were like 75% of the way through the season, and Martín Perez had a lower ERA than Garrett Cole. That's just a fact.
1: See, I should have been prepared with more statistics in front of me because I don't mm-hmm. know that statistic offhand. Mm-hmm. Um, I might have to hit, hit you back up after the interview to look that Please up. Please do. Please do. Yeah, I, w- I will. Um, but look, I mean, they, they have – you know, they they have still have the hitters. Stales coming back. When is he coming back? Is he ready to – June, July, like Syndergaard too. Um, will will they be at the level of the the Rays and 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 honestly, yes. The Yankees
2: and the Blue Jays are also be the surprising team next year as well. I just looked it up. August twenty sixth. Fuck. After giving up three monster home runs today, Garrett Cole's ERA is now higher than Martin Perez's. Perez would have the lowest ERA in the Yankees rotation. Is this a tweet by you? Yep. What day was what it? Like. August 26th. All right. I mean, clearly I can't argue. Look at the
1: stats. So stats I will stats. argue when, when I know like I'm, I'm valid. Like I know what I'm talking about. I do know what I'm talking about that. You I know do. that I know.
2: Yeah. It's just, you know, it, when, when, when you're covering uh, the entire league, like an unbiased national baseball journalist does that clearly unbiased. Absolutely. Yeah. Cl- I'm biased. Clearly. And you, you, yeah. you cover all the teams instead of just sure. one team. And, and those are just things that you pay attention to. And, I just happened to notice that. But yeah, the Red Sox rotation was absolute trash. Um, I think the Yankees are gonna have similar similar pro- problems this year because they literally only have Garrett Cole. Like, I don't think the Yankees realize that Garrett Cole can't pitch every game. Uh, the rotation, the Yankees' rotation right now, if the season started today, is Garrett Cole. Maybe Jordan Montgomery's in there too. Like, can he? I yo, yeah,
1: I hate that dude so freaking much, man. The guy
2: gets rocked all the time that's all right, he's your number two starter right now. No,
1: we'll all Sever, Whenever Severino gets back, he would be our, our two. He's dead. He's, he's not uh, well, I don't think he's dead, but anymore. he's dead. But last the thing time is he like, was
2: seen was halfway through 2018.
1: Yeah, a, I, I do miss him a lot, I really do. Because he, yeah, when, he when he's on, he's lights out. The thing is with the Yankees, it's, it's like it all has to revolve around Lemayu, right? And this whole signing, if they don't sign Lemayu, then they can maybe go get Tanaka back. And if they really feel like they can sign Paxson back, they Feel like they should because I don't. There's not a lot of options. There's, there's Garcia who's there who can be a three, <laughs> as of right now. But like the whole LeMayu thing is pissing me off as a Yankee fan, and I'm sure all the Yankee fans are pissed off as well. It's like the what was it a couple weeks ago? They said that the how big of a gap the money gap was for the signing it was like twenty five mm-hmm. million dollars. And when it comes to negotiating, mm-hmm.
2: that's troubling.
1: Like there's never been a point in time in in. in my mm-hmm. lifetime where the Yankees have had tough times with money.
2: They yeah, hate to see that. You hate to see
1: it. It fucking really pisses do. me
2: off, dude. It's all, all really Stanton's do.
1: fault. Stanton has – all the money goes to him and Garrett Cole. That's what it yeah. is.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, you, you have to like – Like $600 million between two players. That's tough. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. and A lot of money. Will – I saw rumors yesterday of –
1: A Benny biceps room trade rumor Mm -hmm. thoughts on
2: that um I don't think it makes sense to sell low on him unless there is a team that really really likes him and sees the upside that I see I mean I still think that uh he's capable of being an all-star caliber outfielder but I I don't see the point in trying to just get rid of him I think he's making like six and a half million bucks or something like that it's not like no money at all Yeah, he's not like uh, they're already. I think like forty million under the luxury tax, so it's not like that's an issue. Um, Unless you can like get something of actual value for him, I really don't see the point in weakening your outfield even more because you you don't have Jackie Bradley Jr. either.
1: Like, would this trade mean that they're another rebuilding year? Because they're trading a starting left fielder for them, who's a you know middle of the order guy. I mean, and will they be getting? majorly ready players or will they get prospects only
2: yeah i mean it's if you trade andrew ben you're definitely not getting like a majorly ready player back right and i mean like
1: to me they're a kind of rebuilding then
2: no um yeah i don't think they're re i mean i don't think that it's like a a rebuild as more as it's just like I don't know. It's just such a weird transition phase that they're in because you could make the case that next year they could have like a top five offense in baseball. Like they led the league in hits last, last year. They were a last place team. Um, wild. Yeah. Like they, their offense is great. It's one of the best in baseball, but they had no pitching. And I think, you know, you have a situation where Eduardo Rodriguez was out for the whole year because of COVID. And Chris Sale was out because of Tommy John. You get those two guys back. And then Opium maybe you hit horrible. on some of these yeah. veteran guys. Like, you you could sign Corey Kluber. He might be decent for you. Jake Goderizzi, you could sign him. He might be decent for you. Um, yeah, I, I think you could definitely, like, plug up some holes with these veteran guys. And I think that that's kind of what they're going to try to do is go, like, the the inexpensive veteran route to to right. kind of – get you over to, like, that next core. And
1: it's such a weird thing because it does it, – it's a weird, awkward stage that the Red Sox are in because they have all this offensive talent, J.D. and Bogarts and Devers. I mean, that right then and there are like three monster hitters. And you know, losing Jackie Bradley is going to be a, a, a loss. one. on a fan base. I mean, he's one of the most loved guys on that team. And, two, I think the best defensive center field in the game. It's just a weird situation that they're in. But the Mets, on the other hand, are in the complete opposite. They get Lindor, they get Cookie, Carrasco, they get those two guys, they get McCann, Trevor May, they've re-signed Strowman. They are in the driver's seat to definitely compete top five team in the, to go to the World Series. But with Lindor's trade and the extension coming we talked about i was on the air with you and kevin the other day about it saying you disagree that cohen won't give him the extension within a week and i and I totally disagree i think they got to lock that in right away
2: or yeah our, i'm not saying that's not in the plans i'm just saying if i'm francisco Lindor, i am tempted to play out this season and see what i get in free agency i just because you traded for me doesn't mean that like I don't know you anything. Like I just got here. I don't even know you guys. So, I mean, you could be, you could even talk with a free agency
1: in. next year, even with a shortstop free agency, how stacked it is next year.
2: You don't think he like he's learned. the weak link. Like he's, no, he's, he's definitely not top dogs. Yeah, yeah. He would still, he would still be one of those guys. I and mean, it might be the Mets that come back and are like, yeah, we want to extend you. I mean, or we want to like sign you in free agency. I just, I don't think that, uh, like if you see what other guys are getting, because it's like you have, you have bench. You're gonna have benchmarks out there. If you're Francisco Lindor, like Bogarts might be out there, Story's out there, uh, Correa's out there. So you see what all these other guys are getting, and then like, what if you look at your extension with the Mets, and you're like, oh, I could have gotten how much more? So yeah, it's not. It's, always, it's not a matter of like, yeah. oh, I don't want to stay with the Mets, but you you want to get what the market dictates. Then I don't know. I just don't see. I, like uh, yes, the Mets are probably going to make a concerted effort to extend Francisco Lindor. I just don't know how tempted I would be to get that done if I'm Francisco Lindor.
1: Interesting, and there's also the like the the situation with Springer because for some reason I I, I from just how my brain's working I don't know I don't see how it's possible with money wise if they want to if there was an option of extending him uh, Lindor now and then spending. What Springer wants, 175 million. He's not um, I, I don't think he's worth that either. I think he's, at, I mean, I was thinking 150, maybe a little less, 125, maybe. He's, a, you know, he's the one of the better leadoff hitters in the game. Great postseason guy. I just, I just feel like they can go get a Jackie Bradley Jr., save a lot of money, and get a top dog in the outfield, and you can leave Conforto and Wright because we all know he's not a true center fielder. And you, you know, and or you work, you can fucking even keep Nimo, who's still, yep. still works. So I, I don't yep. know.
2: Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Uh, I don't know where. I mean, I guess if you're Toronto, go ahead. I see and, that too. Sign Springer, but like, if I'm the Mets and I have 175 to spend on Springer, I would just pony up the extra cash to sign Bauer. Right. Like, who makes you better right now? Like, who makes you better guaranteed right now, Bauer or Springer? Like, they can say that, oh, no, we have plenty of pitching. You can never have enough pitching, and the dude just won the Cy Young Award. Like, who's making a bigger impact on your team today, Trevor Bauer or George Springer? And it's Trevor Bauer.
1: I totally agree. I totally agree. And with Tatis, the rumor came out yesterday that Padres are going to be extending him the rumors um 11 years 320 million dollars you tweeted out i would sign him for freaking 30 years and i can't agree more can't agree more Mm -hmm. will
2: 320 be the number from what you've maybe heard from 300 320 320. i've heard that these rumors aren't even true get the fuck
1: out of here i Mm -hmm. heard from i I saw from verified people
2: i don't want to shout out names Yeah. Uh, Josh Heyman had the tweet. Um, yeah, I, I heard that it's not even true. I heard that, uh,
1: I saw someone say pen to paper. It's that close.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I saw the, I saw the tweets and I saw the reports, but then I was told, um, that it, it just wasn't even true. So I don't know what to believe. I don't know. It's super interesting. I don't know these people, like the people that told me that it's not even close. It's like, I don't know them all too well. So I wasn't going to throw a tweet out there and be like, oh, by the way, I'm refuting these reports that came out uh, about this extension. Like they're false. Like I wasn't confident enough to do that, but that is what I heard. I heard that like, it's not even really true. So
1: wrap up the, the baseball talk. And then I have two really funny, fun questions right at the end. And then we'll wrap this up quick rapid fire early 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 2021 predict 2021 baseball predictions okay world series champion
2: world series champions in 2021 yeah um the atlanta braves
1: woo
2: yeah i like it yeah why why um i think so what have they all only done they only got morton right so far they got morton but they've essentially lost ozuna because i don't think they they're gonna bring him back i don't think so either um but i think like ian anderson taking like that next step and huge yeah I, th- I think uh not that like morton's the guy that gets them over the hump it's more so the guys that they already have getting better true yeah um so yeah and then you also have like you're getting morton and you're also getting Soroka back. They didn't have Soroka. That's
1: big. So you have like you have a nice four, Freed, Anderson, Soroka, and Morton. And then you have a full 162, hopefully. I don't know. They might be pushing back the season a little bit of yeah. Freddie Freeman. So that's a full right. season of Freddie Freeman and a full and season of Acuna, Acuna and full a- seasons of Swanson. You have all these guys yeah. that is just a full, hopefully, maybe 150, whatever the, the outcome's going to be. But yeah. I like that. Um, I like the Braves. Which team will surprise you the most next season?
2: Which team will surprise me the most next season? Um, um You know what? I'm going to say – I'm going to say Tampa Bay because I think everyone thinks because they're like offloading some of their top talent that it's just like, oh, they're not a threat anymore. And I think they're still going to be a threat because they're Tampa Bay and that's just what they do.
1: I would say to a lot of people, Wander Franco is coming to town soon. Yeah. That big yeah. motherfucker is coming to town. He should yeah. not be a shortstop. He's too big. I think he's a monster. I think he should play a corner, but I mean, the guys, that guy is going to mash 30 30 next season if he comes up right away
2: he's a beast he's the top prospect beast. in baseball for a reason yeah, oh. for a reason absolutely yeah, give me tampa bay as the surprise team everyone's like oh they're selling off all their pieces they're dead no i don't think they are biggest disappointment team wise biggest disappointment team wise so biggest um,
1: surprise will be the rays world series champion braves who's going to disappoint you the
2: most um I don't know why like the Padres came to mind just because they have oh, so much hype that it would be right. it would be disappointing if they didn't at least get like deep into the NLCS or the World Series. So I think like they have the potential to be the most disappointing, but I don't think they're going to be disappointing if that makes sense. Like if if they don't get to like game 6 or game 7 of the nlcs like bare minimum i will be greatly disappointed like you can't do less than that so the bar is high for them so like yeah i i would say probably the projects yeah like i don't i want them to do well and i think that they will but there is all like the threshold for disappointment is for sure there
1: if I had to say my biggest disappointment, I think it's unfortunately. I think the Reds could be, uh, have a rough season because I think they're, they're not going to resign Bauer. And
2: oh, they're going to sell off. They're, they're probably going to trade Castillo by the time the season, uh, the offseason and Sonny Gray too. They're going to be dismantled. Yeah. It sucks.
1: Yeah. It sucks. And what you know, they, they had, I think, I mean, I had, I had the Reds, I think, going if I, I wrote a blog, I, like my predictions. I think I had the Reds in the NLCS, I think. Yeah. I thought their team, their team on paper is disgusting. Their bullpen with Amir um, Garrett and their and their rotation, the offense with Vado, I, yeah, I they think they traded
2: Glacius too.
1: Right. So I, I feel like they had a, a strong team. Um, last question for baseball: Who will break out next season that will shock you? Like it's just out of nowhere and be like this <laughs> big star that didn't, no one really saw coming.
0: Mm.
2: I mean, I don't think it would be that much of a surprise, but, like, this guy, people don't put him in the same sentence as, like, Tatis and, like, Acuna and Soto yet. Like, the super young, super talent, but Bo Bichette. Ooh. Yeah. we're seeing,
1: like, like 30-30 kind of stuff, 25-25. Like
2: we're we're in August and we're looking at the MVP voting and we're seeing like where, where could like this player end up in the mix and like, we're going to be talking about Boba All
1: right. You know what? I'm going to clip this clip in this whole little segment here, put it in the back pocket, bring it out at the end of the year. See if you're right. Last couple things here, a game I've played only once and it's worked out really well. Some guy that actually liked it was KFC. I actually liked it a lot. I'm going to open your phone, Instagram. I'm going to DM you a couple of your own Instagram photos or videos, and you're going to tell me a story about it. So I'm doing like a little deep dive. Okay. In the minds of Jared Carabas and his experience. Um, do whatever you do on Instagram. So, <laughs> All right. So first one here, look up on your phone. First one here. Uh, this was posted November 1st, 2018. But the day was October 31st,
0: 2018. It's a
1: video (laughs) of you absolutely bombed out of your mind on the boat with J.D. Martinez celebrating (laughs) with Devers. Take me through that day. Tell me about it.
2: I mean, it was was the best day of my life. I mean, it's I got the pictures right here. Those are them right there. Um, That's me bombed out of my life. It's it's. uh. It was, it was a great, it was a great experience. Um, I was very intoxicated. Uh, very, very, you very. can see it in my eyes. Uh, I, I'm covered in beer. Yeah. And um, I'll,
1: this is like another photo of you. This is the real one that I wanted to to, to share with you. There's just yeah, you the know, one you, right there. yeah, you chugging.
2: Yep. Yep. That was, uh, it was cool. I mean, I don't think you can have a better story than that as a Red Sox oh, yeah. fan. Like, Oh my my favorite team won the world series. And then they asked me to be on the dock boat in the parade. And it uh, just doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. And like, I've talked about this a bunch of times about how, like, like, you know, I think a lot of people turned on me that year because of like how over the top I was by celebrating it. But I was like, none of this was handed to me, dude. Like I needed to work my ass off for so long to put myself in a position to be able to do that. I didn't want to contest. I didn't get randomly selected. It was like, no, if, we're, if this is gonna happen to like any dude that wasn't on the team, it's gonna be that dude, and that doesn't come without years and years and years of working to put yourself in that position. um So I enjoyed every second of it, and I don't regret a single second of it. Clearly, because I just this is, I mean, every day when I'm sitting up here, it's like that's my reminder of like, if you work your ass off, like this is what can happen. So best day of my life best day yep. uh next one we'll do two more here this
1: is just one example of the many things you did over the the pandemic yeah. rocket paper scissors Yep. there's a million different there's i think your record was 11 and 34 something like that yeah it was your bad. first six matches of rocket paper scissors you won two games and then you went on to lose 30 straight yep something that um I think everyone watching wanted you to lose.
0: <laughs>
1: everyone want, and I mean these videos. There's tons, and I'll be posting. Them, I'll be putting them in the in the videos. Like short little clip here, but take me through like the idea. Like where did you think of this? I think if I can remember how, it, like the whole competition of the rock paper scissors was it with Blatman?
2: Um, we used to like we used to do rock paper scissors in the old office, and I would go down. So like on the second floor, that's where we did the Snapchat videos. And then next to the, the, we called it the take chamber after like next to the take chamber was where the producer's office was. So like I would go in there to hang out with Brin and then I became friends with all the producers. And like, at the end of the day, we would play rock, paper, scissors against each other. So like it became like a thing. And then during quarantine, they were like, yeah, we don't have any sports, but you guys are going to have to get creative to make some content. Um, So I thought, I was like, all right, well, these guys, they want to do something competitive. I was like, what can we do? Like, we're all just like stuck at home. And like, I have like all these like players in my phone, but I was like, I don't want to do like interviews because that's like what the podcast is for. Like, so how do we, how do we like do something that's different? And then I was like, hey, do you want to play rock, paper, scissors? And I think like when I asked, like the wagers became like the f- central part of the show. Like originally, I was just gonna like play people and like see who won. But then when I asked Malar, I was like, I was like, hey, do you want to do this? And he's like, all right, what's the wager? Oh, like, of course, Malar is the
1: one to do the betting,
2: right? Yeah, he's like, what's the wager? And I was like, oh, i like, I don't know. I haven't thought about it. So once he said, what's the wager? I was like, I guess, I guess it would be interesting if we had like unique wagers for every single one of them. And then we ended up doing that. But yeah, no, I was, I was bad. I kept, I lost a lot, but people <laughs> thought I
0: fulfilled on purpose.
2: Right. Mm, just one, because most of them in, like involve being out in the world, uh, right. like being at right. baseball games. But um, yeah, people were saying that I was losing on purpose. And I was like, if I can lose on purpose, That means that I know what's coming to make the decision to lose. So why wouldn't I just win to get all these things? Like, you don't think there were some pretty serious
1: bets there. There were some pretty serious outcomes.
2: Yeah. Like, you don't think I wanted to be included (laughs) in a Hall of Fame speech? Like, that would have been awesome. Sick. Yeah. There there were a bunch of them where I was like, yeah, I'd love to be able to have what this person wagered. But, like, I lost. So now I don't have it. Um, the last one here is
1: I would say an all-time clip for a lot of people. You post this on October twenty third, two thousand nineteen. It is a little IGTV video of you and Alex Bregman. Mm-hmm. The video it consists of him him going yard off you and wiffle ball. Yeah, Ta- take me through that and getting him to actually do because I know you guys did an interview before that. It was a good interview take yeah. me through the the process of uh <laughs> doing because you were doing wiffle ball with actually some other fans that were just coming up and doing it with you guys but then you got bregman to do it with you
2: yeah i almost killed a guy um <clears throat> so <laughs> uh i didn't i mean i didn't know bregman really i mean he came on starting nine at the end of 2017 like when the astros won the world series he came on starting nine after that but like we didn't follow each other after we didn't like keep in touch or message each other he just did the interview and then we both kind of kept it moving um but in 2018 the Red Sox were playing the Astros in the postseason and uh Bregman posted like the video of like the Astros hitting like back to back to back home runs off Nathan Avaldi. right 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 like it, and the caption was like studying game film or something like that and he was obviously trolling so once he made himself an enemy to the red sox then i just kind of honed in on him and i just went after him on like social media during the series and he later admitted uh that he was like no i saw all of it and it, like it got in my head <laughs> so like <laughs> so anyone like I, I'll i'll get people like on Twitter. They're like, do you think that like these players actually care what you're saying about them? And I'm like, yeah, no, they do. They they, Clearly. They, yeah. they, they definitely care. Um, so then I think like we were talking about Bregman on CCK and it was after the world series was over and he must've been listening and he called into the show from his car. So like, we just re- started like, that. yeah, we were going at it on cck and then we ended up following each other um and then that turned into the interview in spring training which was great like we like we met each other and like obviously like we're buddy buddy and then uh like i challenged him to wiffle ball and i got a swing and miss and he got a homer what
1: can you do you can't win
2: them all what can you do? do And everyone all like right. makes the joke of like, oh, well, did he know what was coming? It's like, you know, he did because I told him I was only going to throw yeah. fastballs. Like I didn't I didn't throw any sliders, nothing off speed. I only threw him fastballs. So, yes, he, he did know what was coming when he hit that home run.
1: Has your relationship changed at all with him, with the, the cheating scandal?
2: Because I know you
1: – I mean you weren't fond of that whole thing. Like a lot of people weren't happy with how they did it and how they cheated.
2: Yeah. I mean like I don't think our relationship – I think if anything like we kind of got closer because, you know – I think um when something like that happens I think you find out like who your real friends are and like I didn't ask him for details I didn't ask him for stories I would just kind of ask him like hey like are you doing okay like when the whole world fucking hates you and people are saying horrible things about you and discrediting everything that you've ever accomplished in your life like that can probably do a lot to you from a mental standpoint so like as a friend like I would just check in to see how he's doing but like I don't I don't care to like know any information. Like if you don't offer it up to me unsolicited, like I'm not going to go digging for that. Um, so I think if anything, I think it like improved the relationship. That's a really interesting way of, of looking at it. Cause
1: I mean, i I mean, I know you were pissed about it. It's, it's obvious everyone else, everyone was pissed about it, but when you have a friend that's involved in it, it's kind of, I guess there is a different way. of It was looking weird.
2: At it. it was weird. Sure, it's very awkward. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like when you have like you know people like obviously I came at Carlos Correa hard for like how he handled it and everything. Dude, he like, handled oh, like a want... jackass. He handled yeah, it terrible. Yeah, he brought that all on himself. But like when people are like, "Oh, we won't say anything about Bregman," it's like, "Well, yeah, no, I won't. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to." Like, right. uh You know? Because I mean, there's there's things that like people be like, "Well, you know, you're you." You didn't come at him the same way you came at Correa. And it's like, well, yeah, I don't like Correa. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Simple.
1: Yeah. Uh, last one. This one I've done with every guest. I would say like the last like eight or nine guests I've had. Do, do you know the famous photo of LeBron James, D. Wade, uh, Gabrielle Union, and um, is it Chris Bosh on a banana boat? They're like on vacation. I know like PMT's talked about it a bunch of times. If I can maybe pull it up. Some people might not know what it is it's uh it's a very like comical like very funny photo um and i always ask who would be on your
2: banana boat with you okay
1: banana so how boat many, how many spots crew. do i have there, there's four so like if uh all right here we go so i
2: get to pick three people
1: so if you can see it come out okay like, you kind of see it right it's just yeah. blurred in so it's, yeah. uh, they're on, it was a, it was like a weird, awkward photo. They all have like life fest on and they're on this gigantic banana boat and on vacation. So I've asked Carton, Ashley Brewer, uh, Jessica Klein, Schmidt, the same questions. They've always given me amazing answers. So it, you could have anybody dead, alive, family guests you've had favorite players. You, you know, I have, I think I have one in my head that you might have on there. And also maybe I could be wrong. I don't, I don't know. So, if you had to pick, who would be on your banner boat? So,
2: it's you and three others. Me? Uh man. Um, I feel like I'd have to pick Dallas.
1: Okay. All right.
2: You would, would get mad if I didn't pick him. I would want you, to you pick
1: – You got to pick, like, a crew you would, like, it's going to be a sick crew to party with. You're like imagine like you're in Cabo in the water and you're on a banana boat with with you Braden and two other guys
2: or two other yeah, people. Dal- oh. Dallas would do it right. Yeah, he would make sure that I had a good time. He's he's yeah. the facilitator of fun after all. Right. So me, Dallas, um, mm,
1: uh,
2: you know what? I would pick Gaz.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, Page Gaz, yeah, yep.
2: and uh, well, he'll
1: have to wear a hat though. He's got to wear a hat.
2: Yeah, he would wear a hat. Yeah, me, Dallas Gaz, and uh, Paige Sporanic.
1: Wow, that's a solid pick.
2: Yeah, solid pick Page. Yeah,
1: I thought you would pick like CM Punk on there.
2: I don't. Th- I mean, he doesn't drink. True, he's straight edge.
1: That. Straight edge, right?
2: Yeah, he's straight edge. I mean. A lot of those guys, like, I would love to hang out with. Like, I would love to hang out with Roman Reigns. But he's married. He's kind of just, like, about his business. And right. I don't know how much he parties or anything. I know he goes to the Kowloon, though. So, shout out to the Kowloon. Shout
1: out. And, yo, um, what's the deal with that? We're fine.
2: We're, it's guys, not going to be for a long good? time. Yeah. it's they just This generation is not passing it down to the next generation. So, they're just trying to figure out what they're going to do with the land when that time comes. But that time is not now.
1: If Dave bought it for some reason, yeah, to like, would it still be the restaurant? Would it be some sort of conver- like converted into some sort of barstool restaurant sort of thing like that? Because I know I know with Penn they're trying to get the you know they're getting casinos, barstool casinos, and different things like that. But imagine like you talked about on CCK on Friday, yeah, like, a like a barstool Calhoun merger.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, if that happened, it would be a dream come true. Like, if we could somehow preserve Kowloon forever, um, it would be incredible. But, I mean, there's only one Kowloon. So, if... if
1: I have to go. I've never been. Clearly, I've never been. So. You
2: have to go. It's it's one of the best life experiences that you can give yourself. Um, I, I hope it's here for for a long, long time. But it sounds like there is, unfortunately, a, a light at the end of the tunnel there.
1: All right. Amazing interview, dude. I really appreciate it. It's a long time coming. Uh, I, hopefully time coming. I would not have annoyed you by asking. Well. I know you said that you're the email thing. It's kind of weird. Like, you know, I'm
2: weird with emails. I'm like, yeah. when I get emails, I just, I freak out. I'm like, I, I can't, it's the same thing. Like I can get a text message, a DM. It's, it's like, I can, those are fine. But like, for whatever sure. reason, just being an email, I'm like, I, I can't do it.
1: Well, we got it done. Next. I need to get Kevin in here, which I think will be soon, yep. but Jared, I really appreciate it, man. Um, one of the best in the biz. I know um, people do say, but I really, I really do mean it. You are like, uh, you know, for young guys like, like me, we look up to you because it's, we know how much hard work you put in sure. and then you, and then you have all this in front of you. Cause with hard work comes success and For then sure. you get all this opportunity. So um yep. hopefully you can come on again in the near future. Yep. Be be a blast. All right. Thanks. Thanks, thanks bro. All right, we're back, and let's talk about the national championship. Nick Saban won his seventh, yeah, that's right, you heard that right, seventh national championship in his career, his sixth with Alabama. When you're talking about legacy and where does it lie amongst the greatest college football coaches of all time, you can say that he's the best, and he absolutely is. He's coached many amazing teams over his crew at Bama, and that one national championship with LSU way back in the early 2000s. But this win in particular is a little different, and here's why. COVID, that's pretty much the big point I'm trying to make here. He had to deal – I mean, all these college football coaches had to deal with COVID, had to deal with how to practice, how to go about their everyday life, classes. I mean, Chris Fowler was – but it was. it was actually Reese Davis was talking about how you had the players had to sacrifice everything and they would and, and sacrifice social life. And that's how usually kind of how it is as a college athlete, but this is a lot different. You're secluded from everybody. At one point, these athletes, these football players were the only people on campus at one point, but this whole season with zoom conferences and, you know, being isolated from basically the world. They maneuvered their way to a 13-0 undefeated season, and they were an SEC-only schedule just because of COVID protocols and stuff like that. So they beat out the SEC all 13 games. Very impressive. And, oh, by the way, five top ten opponents they beat this year. At one point, it was LSU. I got a list here. It was LSU. You got LSU. You got... um, Let's see here. Uh, Yeah, I I don't have the schedule in front of me, but LSU was one of the teams. You had the Georges of the world. But at one point, the top 10 teams, five of them were a 3-seed, a 4-seed, a 5-seed, a 7-seed, and a 9-seed. And... They won three games this year by scoring 50 points. And amongst those top 10 teams, they beat those teams out by an average score of 19 points. Pretty incredible. Now, when it comes to compare the teams that he's had over the years, Saban's coached unbelievable players. I mean, I think the best player so far he's ever coached is Derrick Henry, who just rushed for 2,000 yards this year, led the league in uh, in rushing yards again. But this year, three players stand out alone on this BAM squad. Of course, you got Mac Jones. The story with him, a backup his whole career until this season behind Tua. Well, he wasn't a backup all the way, but what I'm trying to say is he was behind Tua. He was behind Jalen Hurts. There were stories about him just maybe even transferring because he wants that opportunity or just quitting altogether because his self-confidence wasn't there. Saban told him to stick around. Saban's guys around him, his coaching staff around him said, look, Mac, you're going to get your shot, and he did. He went off this season, and including this game, throwing five touchdowns and 464 yards passing in the air. It's a story that I think kind of gets overlooked because of Najee Harris and Devontae Smith, because these two guys are the best at their position in the, in the entire country, and Mac Jones had an unbelievable season by himself. And what's something to really look into is that during Saban's career as a, as a head coach for Bama and just in general – I would say quarterbacks up until the last three three quarterbacks he's had over his college coaching career. The, college, the, the quarterbacks haven't been, I would say, impressive because I think everyone really knows that when you go to Alabama and the guys that get drafted out of Alabama, they're usually the starting guys. The stars are the DBs. You got defensive ends. You got their running backs. You got wide receivers. You can go on lists. Forever with the NFL core, NFL players from Bama, but here's the kicker: here, quarterbacks haven't been the biggest stars. I mean, there's AJ McCarron, right? But the last three, like I said before, has been big with Jalen Hurts, who's now in the NFL, who looking like he's going to be the starting quarterback for a while with the Eagles. You have two at Tua Tagovailoa, who's the quarterback for. The Miami Dolphins, as of right now, there's trade rumors with him. If there's going to be a Deshaun Watson trade, or whatever, I think that's not going to happen. And now you got Mac Jones and his story how he was sat behind these two guys for a while, for a long time, and not thinking of whether or not he'd be playing at Alabama anymore. But he stuck around and he won a national championship. Now, his guy he throws to a lot, Devontae Smith, Heisman Trophy winner, had himself a night, 215 yards receiving in the first half. That's right. In the first half. Unbelievable numbers all year. He got hurt in the second half, sat him out. The game was over by half. With with DeVonte Smith's talents, I mean the guy's wearing a ball, I think a buck 60, buck 65. You know, he just he's he's, a, he's not your prototypical wide receiver body, height, weight. You know, it's not the typical guy you see on the field. But he made it work, and he's the best wide receiver, I think, hands down in college football history. I mean, you got some unbelievable college football receivers. I mean, the the best one that comes to my mind, the two are a Calvin Johnson or even a Larry Fitzgerald type. You can even say Odell Beckham at LSU, too. Some of the best that should come off the rattle off my head. I know there's probably better. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald at Pitt was probably one of the best of all time. But with Devontae Smith, I think you can put in the argument now he is the best wide receiver to ever play in college football with this past season winning the Heisman Trophy. I mean, Desmond Howard's the last guy to win a wide, to win the Heisman Trophy as a wide receiver. So it doesn't happen too often. And the third guy that separates this team from maybe other teams that save this coach is Najee Harris. Najee Harris had a hell of a night as well winning the national championship. And he had a hell of a season. Just I think all three of these guys, talent-wise, you could definitely rank this whole team up against any of Saban's teams in the past, the national championship teams is what I'm really talking about here. But we always give Saban – I would say we, because I think a lot of the country, the writers, fans, analysts, former players, current players, I think we all give Saban this – this like character bio of how he's this cocky to extent, but more like an arrogant, um, this hard o of a coach, doesn't take any breaks, um, very angry, as we always seen on the sideline with even if it's with reporters uh going into halftime, or if it's the press conferences pre and post game, um, or after practice, we've seen over the years. But we have to, I think, sit back and look at something that this is something we're never going to see again. We thought we wouldn't see it again after Bear Bryant's performance and his coaching career. But with Saban, it's on another level. Seven national championships, six with Alabama. We got to just look. He is and will be the best coach to ever coach college football and he might be in – I mean, look, the, the, the debate goes, in football in general, who would you have coaching your team? Is it Bill Belichick or Nick Saban? No doubt about it. Both these guys know how to win. It's there in front of you. Tons of film. But since 2008, Bama hasn't – Bama's been the bar it's ever since ever since Saban started. So he's been the bar there. Belichick, we all know his accolades, Right. But who would you rather have coaching? Is it Saban or Belichick? I'm going to leave that question to you guys. Uh, for me personally, I think I'd have Saban as the coach if I had to pick to coach my Super Bowl team so or national championship team or whatever you want to say. But I would definitely pick Nick Saban out of those two. Let's go on to baseball now. Frankie Lindor and Carlos Carrasco traded to the New York Mets last week. Didn't break it down. I'm going to break it down now. So you have Ahmad Rosario, Andres Jimenez, Josh Wolf, and Isaiah Green from the Mets going to the Cleveland Indians. This is a fantastic move by Steve Cohen. It is not the first one he's done this offseason. It's been kind of quiet. The signing of Trevor May from the Minnesota Twins. He was a free agent. Very good bullpen arm. He might be a seventh or maybe even eighth, depending on when, if Batanzas is on this this upcoming season. That bullpen is stacked now. Edwin Diaz can kind of g- get his act together with Jiri's Familia, Batances. Now you add Trevor May in the mix. Who knows where Seth Lugo is going to be in the next season in 2021? Will he be a fifth guy? Will he be a prop star? Um. Will he be a makeup, uh, like long man starter, long man reliever? Will he even be in the bullpen, which I think Lugo should be in the bullpen? So you have Trevor May, James McCann, the second best catcher to come off the free aging list, signed for a nice, friendly deal, four years, 40 million. It's a good catcher, man. Knows how to catch, knows how to call a game, knows how to work with a young, rotation we've seen the last couple years in Chicago with the White Sox he basically helped fix along with his own talents but Giolito tells he's told multiple people how much of a great catcher he is and how much he's learned from McCann McCann you could say helped Giolito become what kind of ace he is today now the White Sox would be upset with the losing of him but they have Grandall, and they probably will sign somebody else maybe to be a back catcher but besides that let's go back to the mets with the signing with mccann it's going to be great to work with some of the younger guys and even some of the well-established starters and guys in the bullpen great signing re-signed with the qualifying offer with marcus stroman i love the deal i have said it before i've written about it great move love stroman back in new york where he belongs he's going to be as of right now, maybe a three-starter or two, depending on where you want to put Carlos Carrasco. So now they sign. They get, not sign, they get a trade for Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. Unfreaking believable. Totally makes sense. Lindor, top five shortstop in the league. Next offseason is going to be the best shortstop free agent class baseball has ever seen. It's stacked. You got Trevor Story. It would have been Lindor. As of right now, Lindor is still a free agent, so that's next year. You have Cor- um, Corey Seeger, Javier Baez, and um, Carlos Correa. Couldn't think of the last guy's name. So you have those five. Now, the rumor is, or the argument's going to be now, is what is Steve Cohen going to do next with Lindor? Is the, inst- is the extension going to come? Are we going to see Lindor play out his first year with the New York Mets going into free agency? What is the right move? I know we talked about it a little bit with Jared Carabas in the interview, but I kind of want to break it down a little bit more here. I think it'd be the right move to just to extend him now. But what does that mean for the Mets in free agency for the rest of the year, for the rest of the off season? What does that do for them? Well, if they extend Lindor to whatever it is, I'm saying the bare minimum is going to be a $250 million contract, right? Where can that money go to elsewhere? They don't extend them. Could they get George Springer? Springer's wanting 175 million. Is that the right move to sign for 175 million? Springer's rumored that he's the blue Jays are getting interested in Springer. So there's a couple of teams involved and, Is Trevor Bauer still in the mix? We don't know about that. There could be rumors about Bauer coming into the New York and working with Carrasco, his former teammate, and Jacob DeGrama as the big three-headed monster. And let's not forget about Syndergaard, who's coming back in June, July. So that would have been a stacked rotation as it is if you have Bauer to it. I think what they should do is they should extend Lindor, go spend the little money you got left on a center fielder that could – I don't know, played in Boston, postseason guy, best defensive center fielder in the game. His name's Jackie Bradley Jr. You sign him to a nice, friendly deal. He's your starting center fielder. Give him like a multi-year deal. Give him like a two-year deal playing center field so you don't put Conforto out in center to patrol center field. We all know Conforto's mostly a corner guy in the left or right field. He plays right field now. And Dominic Smith is your left fielder right now from what I'm looking at it. And you could say, why don't you just don't resign, don't sign any center fielder. You got Brennan Nimmo. Nimmo had a kind of a tough year last year, right? But I would say Jackie Bradley Jr. would be a better fit in center field. And then Nimmo could be a platoon guy with Smith and left because Cespedes is a, is a free agent this year. You're not going to resign sign because the injuries and all the drama behind him. Lindor, adding him to the middle of the lineup. You could put him back in third, second, or first. I'm seeing a lot of... Projected New York match 2021 lineups mostly have been Lindor leading off. I like it. Lindor is leading off. You got McNeil at second, Alonzo at first, third base is still open right now. J.D. Davis is that guy. You don't know where the money's going to go to maybe go and get a third baseman right now. I don't know. But Conforto, center field, there's a, a kind of a question mark. And left field, like I said before, Dominic Smith and McCann behind the plate. The Mets have done an unbelievable job this offseason. You could say the Padres have been up there as the best teams to come out of this offseason so far. I would say the Mets have topped that, and I think the Mets are not done yet. They're going to be getting one more guy left. It's either going to be another pitcher. Pitchers left, Jake Rizzi Tanaka, Paxton. You have guys that are available that maybe aren't going to cost you a ton of money, but will give you a lot in return. Right, Paxton. We know his injuries over the last couple of years. Oderizzi had an injury last year, but it was a minor setback. And Tanaka, he has a nice track record. Eatings eater has postseason experience. Has pitched in New York already. Or will they go to the Bauer route? Spend thirty million a year with for him a ton of money. Who knows? Or will they go get Springer? I don't know how they have money left if they don't re-sign, uh, if they don't extend Lindor's contract. There's a lot of variables, but right now the New York Mets are on top of maybe the the NL East or the or the Braves better than the Mets right now. I don't know. It's comments maybe I, I can get from you guys. Um, from but, but basically, man, the Mets have absolutely killed it. I'm as a Yankee fan, man. I, I'm seeing the Yankees are having a lot of hard times with the Mayhew, but from the outside. Um, I have a lot of friends that are Met fans. I have covered the Mets from here to here and there. It's nice to see the Mets are actually moving in the right direction. Steve Cohen said he's going to do it, he's going to get it done, and he has. And he will continue, so watch out for that. And to wrap up this episode of The End of the Bench, let's talk about Tommy Lasorda. Tommy Lasorda just passed away at age 93. He was uh, had some heart issues. And he is unfortunately has passed away. The sort of two time World Series champion, one of the best managers baseball has ever seen. You can put in the argument that he could be top five, top definitely in the top 10. And personality wise, is number one. Yeah, maybe you can debate that. I don't know. Or Weaver, great personality, wild personality, or Sparky Anderson, but Tommy of, will legit has said it over and over again throughout his life and his career but the guy actually the guy bled dodger blue he was a dodger as a player he was dodgers coach third baseman third third base coach excuse me and a manager for a long long time you we had we've seen players current players former players come out and talk about and and say stories about you heard stories from oral hersheiser or or bobby valentine um other other guys matt campus has has put out some stories about him as well but the guy was basically one of the ambassadors of the game a lot of people i guess wouldn't look at tommy lasora as an ambassador you would more look at the trouts those the um you know the kershaw's of the world as your ambassadors of the game judge, but over the shortest lifetime in the game of baseball, he's been the guy. He's always told kids baseball over everything, you know, it's in, and he just, after his career managing the Dodgers ended due to heart issues and and health, health risks, he wasn't done in 98. He became the interim GM. And then he left that to go coach the, the, the baseball um Mike in here it was uh i wrote a, i wrote a blog a nice blog about it um it's on the end of the bench wordpress uh website he managed the summer olympics baseball team and they won gold beating cuba who was the favorite but that's like one of those top moments he's been an ambassador of the game he's been invited to everything he he legit went out on top a world series champion if you can look back on this 2020 crazy season, wild postseason, ups and downs, coronavirus and all, the Dodgers won the World Series, but at the time, you don't think about the people that played for the Dodgers in the past. It's been a long time since the Dodgers won a World Series, the last time it was when Tommy took, coached the team, and if you think about it, I, I think a lot of people thought about this was like a huge win for Dodgers nation, baseball. You know, Vin Scully is smiling at home. And I hope people didn't forget about Tommy because Tommy is the Dodgers. He was the Dodgers. This It was his team. He represented that team with so much love and heart. And this was like his final gift from baseball. He gave so much to the game of baseball. But this time, baseball gave something back to him and it was a World Series championship. And to end that, um, to go on, to go out that way, a champion, a long life. Um, I can't say he did. You know, he did the best he could, and he went out on top. So that's the end of this episode. Unbelievable interview. Thank you again, for from uh, Jared Carabas, the Rocket, the fucking man. We got more interviews coming up this year. Unbelievable stuff. I've been reaching out to a bunch of people. We are setting some things up soon. So it's been great. Awesome episode. everyone loved it go subscribe to the podcast on itunes and spotify and wherever you listen to podcasts go subscribe to the youtube page my youtube page is just taylor wrangled i post all the interviews that i've done on the end of the bench in the past 2020 and now 2021 i did a best of of 2020 nice half hour clips of the best moments of 2020 on the end of the bench And uh, yeah, subscribe, go follow me on social media, Taylor underscore Ringgold on Instagram and on Twitter. Look me up, Taylor Ringgold. I'm there. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you guys on the next episode of The End of the Bench. We out. Peace!
0: Don't have run I wouldn't give one if I could find a fire, 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 fire In the car and I put it on my mama Get my bitch called Talking about some drama I swear there ain't no time for women on a car They see the call, huh? pussy or the karma Man, I just wanna go flex Hold on my teeth and on my neck And I'm stone cold with the flags From the squad and I'm smoking up a check and snaps on my new tracks, cause all these whores know what's about to come next, I hit my plug up, got the vehicle connect, I dropped a couple bands, I just wanna go, man, I just wanna go fast, board on my teeth and on my neck, and I'm stone cold with the flags from the squad and